Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. time I watch that, I feel warm and fuzzy. I think it's a great, it's a great little video. It reminds me of times and, and simpler times. And, and maybe, I don't know what emotion it brings you, but you watch that and you, you know, gathering by the, by the tree, or maybe you've done that with your family and set up the nativity set or, you know, opening gifts and just by the fire. There's a, there's a warm, cuddly, cozy feeling like this. And it, I love Christmas because Christmas is is fun, and our kids are a little bit older. It's great to have our family together, sitting together, but they're a little bit older. But I love it when the kids were little. I remember being little, and so we got we got kids in the room here. It's good to have you, kids. And I've been I've been saying today, it's super duper to have you guys here today to be a part of what we're doing here. And I hopefully you you were able to. Uh, get excited. Maybe you're getting a little excited about Christmas and you watch something like that. There's an anticipation, isn't there? There's something powerful is going to happen. Like there's going to be something we're going to receive and get and, and doing that. So I love Christmas about that. But what we watch, I, I, we, we got to come to grips with the fact that some of us didn't grow up that way. Some of us had, had Christmas and didn't look anything like that. Like, you're know, like, man, there was nobody drunk. And there was nobody, like, there was a lot of yelling, not, not any yelling in that video, and the police weren't called. I mean, you kind of joke about that, but some of you grew up that way. Like, there was a lot of dysfunction during the holidays. And in all seriousness, though, as much as that's serious, some of you had experienced loss this year. And so what that brings is some memories of the past, but there can be kind of painful because those that were with you last Christmas are not with you this Christmas. I love Christmas. It's a beautiful time of the year for it, but you go going, ah, you said super duper. It's, it's not a very super duper time to be, be for Christmas. For you, it's kind of a drag, but you're here today and you're realizing this. It's much more than, than gifts. It's much more than just the, the festivities of the holidays, much as those are fun. There's a story. We've been sharing about this story the last several weeks and we've saying, tell, we want to tell the story again, but some of you might be here today going, I don't even know if I know the story. You don't have to raise your hand. Like, I don't, when you talk about the Christmas story, I don't, is it the, is it the blonde kid with the red rider and the BB gun and like, you know, shoot your eye out story? You're like, no, that's not it. There's a real story. And do you know the Christmas story? And I, I thought, you know, I don't know what you want to start in traditions. Traditions always start with the year you start it. So maybe this year for you, and then we're going to start it here. We're going to read the Christmas story. So kids, I want you to listen to the story, adults as well. Maybe for the first time, you're like, oh, that's it. That's the Christmas story. So let's, let's read the Christmas story together here. You can follow along on the screen. Somehow I need like horn rim glasses and a, and a pipe or something. I don't know. I don't smoke pipes, so. but I'll, I'll do this here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. And, in, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went from, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, belonged because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came from the, for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch 
over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the heaven, highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they've heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. That's it. That's the Christmas story. Now, we could end there and go, okay, let's sing and close it out. Some of you are like, let's do that. We're hungry. We want, we want dinner. We want open gifts. It's a wonderful story. It's a beautiful story. You stand in awe and the angels, and it's just, it, there's something pure about it, and it is a very pure story. But you know, that's not all the story. Do you know, as, as much as we, we, we can make the Christmas story and even your own story of Christmas and the memories, we can, we can sanitize them and we can make them very cute and cuddly. And, they, and there's moments, again, there's awness of the story. But I want to tell you that the, the Christmas story goes beyond. And it's filled with chaos. It's filled with confusion. It's filled with real fear. And real, real pain that, that happened. It's, a, it's one of those kind of stories. It's, it's filled with a lot, a lot of confusion that, that took place. And it's actually more relatable if you grew up that way and that kind of, that kind of Christmas than maybe the, the Christmases that we see in a, in a nostalgic way. And I want to look at that part of the Christmas this, this evening. And that Christmas... As, as it has wonderful stories, is it the wonderful story? And we've been looking at, you know, tell the story again. We've been looking at how great stories have great plots. They have great timing and twists and, and moments. But you know, great stories, you know what they have? They have villains. The, the story of, uh, and great stories in literary, it's called the antagonist. It's the bad guy. Every, every great story has a bad guy. And, and this evening, we're going to look at a, a bad guy. That we're going to look at. I mean, you think of the stories. You think of. I mean, you, you can't have you can't have uh, Superman without Lex Luthor. You, you, you know, you can't have the Wizard of Oz without the Wicked Witch of the West, right? You can't have, you know, what Star Wars without Darth Vader, right? You, you know, the Grinch. You can't have the Grinch who stole Christmas without a Grinch, right? There, these are stories, and there's a there's a there's a villain in the Christmas story that I look at, and, it, and it's in Matthew chapter two. They want to. Read for us as well. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star where it rose and, and come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. 
It was interesting this week when I was reading that, I, it caught me as the word disturbed. I thought, huh, that doesn't really, doesn't really fit in the Christmas story too much. I mean, you know, do, do we sing it's the most disturbing time of the year, right? Unless you're like, unless you're in Costco, okay? That's, that's very disturbing if you were there a couple days ago. I went, to the, I went to the store twice in one day in the same store. I mean, like, seriously, this is crazy. So that's disturbing. I get that part of it. But we go out to a wonderful time. No, there's something, what was disturbing? A baby being born? How, how is that disturbing? That should be a wonderful time to celebrate. Not so much when a couple strange guys show up at your house. They're, they're stargazers, and they say, we want to meet the king. And the problem is you're, you're already the king. King Herod, they show up at his house, and, and they're like, we want to meet the king. We, can you take us to the king? I'm like, uh, what? Yeah, there's a king that's going to be born. Like what? He, King Herod was disturbed. And, and you need to know that, that he was disturbed because he was a disturbed man. History tells us this, that King Herod was a horrible guy. King Herod, as much as he was a builder, you can go to Israel and you see all the ancient ruins, all that Herod built. He was called Herod the Great. You know why he was called Herod the Great? Because he named himself great. <laughs> Did you know that? King Herod King Herod had, was power hungry. He was called an egomaniac. I mean, he was one of these guys that ruled in such a way. And here he is, severely insecure. Some would say he had delusions of grandeur, probably a psychological disorder, that he had everything he wanted and, and, and he had to take control. I mean, even it says in history that, that he, he, his wife and his sons were, he thought they were out to get him. And so he bumped them off. I mean, that is the kind of guy he was. And he was just, what was interesting is that not only was he disturbed, all of Jerusalem was disturbed. Why? Because Herod was disturbed. They knew what he has the possibility, what he do. He, they knew his capability. And he do whatever he can to squash out the competition. Like I said, he was a horrible guy. He was a bad dude. He was definitely the villain in this story that was unfolding. Now, I, I run the risk of damping your holly jolly spirit if you have it tonight. But I would say to you that we all have something in common. And it's this. We all have a little bit of Herod in all of us. You're thinking, huh, what, is, what do you mean by that? Have you ever been jealous? You ever felt like someone was undermining you? You ever felt like you had rivals? You ever felt like you're in competition with somebody? Do you ever felt insecure? Well, guess what? <laughs> I have. Well, many times, and all the time, it seems like moments in my life are like, it all kind of seems the same thing. And I'm like, hmm, is there a little bit of Herod in me? Is there, a, what I mean by this, is there a little bit of Herod in you? Is there a little bit of us wanting to build our little kingdom and have, keep our little kingdom in life? You're thinking, well, where did all that come from? Well, from the very beginning, we were born into this world, a, a sinful world, a world that brought sin that we have and we're imperfect, but also created insecurity and selfishness. And if, you know, I haven't seen your, your newborn picture, but I have a feeling you're coming right out. You probably look like this, okay? You, you probably had your, your, your fist all bundled up and you were ready to take on the world. You were ready to grip the world right when you're born. You know, that. And it got worse. You went to preschool. And you had your own little kingdom because you had your own little toy and your own little kingdom. And some snot-nosed kid came along and grabbed your toy. And what'd you say? Mine, right? And then we, we entered the world of cutting. 
You ever thought about this? How much we, we're into cutting? Like you're in line at middle school and someone slipped in in front of you. You're like, hey, cut. He cut in line. You can't cut. You cut her. You know, we said that. And then in high school, we got cut from the team or cut from the drama performance. We didn't make the cut. You go and you, go and you get into your, your job. You, 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 there was pay cuts and you got one of those pay cuts and you, 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 you got, they, they cut your position and you just, you know, and then again, you're, you're in the mall and you got cut off by traffic. Someone cut in on you, right? Like it doesn't stop anywhere. That's the competitive world we live in. And yet we get caught, caught up in our own little world and our own little selfish habits. See, true message of Christmas, it's a threat to our personal kingdoms. Come on, it's a little baby being born. Well, a baby that's born to be king. It's hard when, when someone else is already king. This baby was a threat. It was a threat to every insecure and selfish king on this earth and every selfish and insecure human heart. Now, what was the reaction of this king when he found out there was another king? He goes in crisis mode. And so when you're in crisis mode, you, you call the clergy. And in Matthew 2, 4, it says this. When they had called together all the people, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A ruler, a king, a shepherd. This is kind of getting pretty bad for King Herod the Great, who thought himself as great, and that's not great for him what was happening to him at this moment. And it reminds us of this, and if we're trying to grip on our little kingdom, is this, that God's sovereignty, you know what? It will always supersede and even upset our, our personal plans. Always happens that way. When we had it together and we think we're going to master our own domain like Herod was, and all of a sudden, someone's coming in on our turf. Hear this prophecy. It's like a freight train. It's, it, was, it was promised this Messiah would come, and it's going to be great. And everybody's excited. We read that the governor be on his shoulder. is going to be the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and he will rule and reign, and that's going to be incredible. But the problem was he comes and wants to rule and reign on your turf. Herod's kind of going, my, why does it have to be my jurisdiction of all places? Be king. It was cutting in to his kingdom. Can I tell you, God's timing and methods and exact locations are always, always perfect. But they will affect when we're trying to control the direction of our little kingdoms in our lives. And you're thinking, oh, I'm not that way. I'm, I, I'm not a control freak. Listen, I think we all have mastered manipulation. We've all learned it along the way. Either we try to rule with an iron fist, and if we can't get people to con control them that way, we play victim, and we cry foul, and we guilt people in, and so they would run to our aid. Come on, we all done it in different ways. And yet nothing can resist our will against God's will and what he wants to do. And this is what I found with God that makes it hard, hard, hard and maybe we use the word disturbing as well, that he will inconvenient me in the most unopportune times, in the most surprising moments. That he'll cut in to my kingdom because of a greater kingdom he's offering me, and I'm so resistant. See, we, we do two things. I don't know about you, but what happens when, when someone tries to cut into our kingdom? We either dig into our heels and go, no, I'm sticking to my guns. This is the way it's going to be. 
or we have the choice to slide over and slide off the throne and allow him to take charge. Herod was opposite. He wanted to squelch anything or anyone in the way. And this baby king that was going to be born, by gum, it's not going to happen. It's not going to affect what he was going to accomplish. So what's interesting is this big prophetic fulfillment was looming. This was happening. He hears this, oh yeah, there's a, yeah, that's right, king. There's going to be this baby. It's going to be born in Bethlehem. So he actually says that Herod called the Magi and secretly found out from them the exact time and star was appeared. So he's putting two and two together. But he says secretly, he's trying to control it. He's trying to make sure, okay, you tell me a little bit what's going on. Okay, you, just between the two of us on this thing, we don't want this whole thing. Like there's going to be another king out there and we don't want any people to know about that. Well, he points them to this prophecy that Jesus is going to be born. It says this, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so I may Go and worship him. Baloney. Heck no, is he going to do that? He's, he wants the very opposite. I want to come and worship. No, he wanted to get intel on him. He wanted to find out wh- where this baby's going to be born to plot to take him out. And I hope this evening no one's plotting murder this Christmas Eve. That's not good. But I tell you this. We... There's a little hair in all of us at times because this, we, we will always worship God with the wrong motives when we are still trying to sit on the throne, our own throne of our lives. Really, we, we will always worship God with the wrong motives when we're trying to sit on the, our own throne of our own lives. And there's nothing wrong when we seek after what God has for us, that his love and his peace and his presence and strength is all good. Those are all good things. But I want to challenge us a little bit this Christmas Eve is that if we're only seeking after what the gifts God gives us, we're treating Jesus like Santa more than he is the Savior. Doesn't, well, doesn't God want to give us peace and love and grace and all that? Yeah, all that. Yes, yes, yes. But what are we to do first? We're to seek him as king. And we have a choice. Is it the kingdom of, 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 of me or is it the kingdom of he? We all have to face that. And, and I know, I know that you don't consciously do this at Christmas. But I see we can, we can find ourselves doing this because Christmas itself, the, the, the Christmas story that we read, it can be very convenient for us. We can compartmentize it a little bit because what we do is we celebrate a baby and we go, wow, that's, that's, that's a beautiful, I mean, there's, babies are not a threat, are they? I mean, they're, they're beautiful babies and you see a baby and they cry and they're, they're, they have the, there's maintenance of ba- babies, but they're wonderful babies to have, to have a baby. It's beautiful. And we want to keep Jesus as a 8.6 ounce baby Jesus. I don't know if he was born 8.6 ounce. I don't know. there's no record of his weight, uh, but but we want to keep them because it's convenient for us. We really don't, if you think about it, the challenge is that this, this, this little baby king grows up. And he, he wants to rule and he wants to reign and he wants to take preeminence in our life. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I really kind of like the Christmas Jesus. Can we keep him a little small, a little, little bit for us so we can kind of enjoy this little story here? But it doesn't work that way. This is just the beginning of God ushering in his kingdom, what he wants to accomplish and how he wants to accomplish it. And when the challenge is, it's hard when, when he wants to be king, when 
we want to be king too. You can't have two kings. And that's what Herod was facing that day. And I find it fascinating, though, that how God works, that he found these magi. And, and just so you know, the Bible doesn't say how many of them. There, you think, well, three, three kings of Orient are. We don't know if they're kings, and we don't know if there's three of them. So I hate to burst your bubble on that. We don't know. But they're magi. That, that would be like modern-day astrologers that would come, that would study the stars, and they would actually look at signs, like supernatural signs. And so here it is. I, I, was just, I think it's amazing how God works, that God actually speaks outside of Christianity. He speaks outside in many ways to draw people to himself. And they have this vision, and they, he uses what they're believing in to draw them to Jesus. That blows our mind. And, it, and, I, and it, you know, I love the Christmas story because God will use different people, different backgrounds and different religions and different cultures to draw him, draw people to himself. And I love the fact that these, these guys come with pure motive. It says this, when they, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Quite the opposite of Herod. When he heard about this baby being born, he was disturbed. So, it says that the magic, they, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. That is so pure and rich for us to remind it of why we are here. We sang, we lifted up in the purest, but can I, can I tell you through our minds was, oh, what are we going to do next? And what are we going to eat? And no, how are we going to do the gifts? And like, who, you know, and then tomorrow, and then, listen, I live in the real world too, but how important is like, oh Lord, we want to purely worship you and give you praise. And what's interesting is they, 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 didn't, they didn't come empty handed. They came with a gift. And, and, and these men came bearing gifts. It says they opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Which it's just in our contest, it, I think it was just kind of creepy some guys showing up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, like total stranger guys coming to your door. We'd like to see your baby. Okay, it's a little different, right? I mean, in the context of it. But they, they, the, the prophecy was there, and it's kind of strange gifts to give a little baby, but it was all prophetic. The, the gold, it represented Jesus' royalty as king. It's the most precious metal on earth to show that this, how, how powerful and how how much his king kingdom is is to be the the frankincense it's it's a priestly incense that they burn and, and it represented Christ being the priest the the mediator between God and and mankind and then myrrh that's the that's kind of the the little that's a little morbid that that's embalming substance they use to to for 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 people dead and that represented Christ that one day he came not just to be born but come to die as a sacrifice for us. And I was thinking like this, this king, why did they give these gifts as king of a new kingdom? Because it was a threat of all existing kingdoms. Now, what do you give a king that has everything? Well, the answer is your very self. True worship, can I just say to you, true worship is laying down what's most precious to us. What do you have to give Jesus this Christmas? Like, like a whole lot, I don't have a, I don't have a whole lot to give. But what if we just gave our very self to him? Well, what's that mean? What means it means everything? Well, what's everything? Well, it's your time, it's your money, it's your energy, it's your attention. You're like, well, what? How, what does that look like? Well, it's whatever's in your calendar. It's it's 
Whatever's on your credit card statement, you're like, oh, don't go there. We'll wait for that next month, okay? Um, it, it's, it's what's in your Facebook and your Instagram. And, you know, we take selfies and you think about the, even the name selfie, right? It, we get caught up in us. We get caught up in our kingdom. And it's like, what, how, God, do I give my life? And see, true worship's coming from where we relinquish our little kingdoms and say, Jesus, come and be king. Come and dwell in my life. Take the seat that is your seat to be, the seat in my, my very heart. But yet there's a fight for the throne. And that was so true for Herod that God had to intervene directly. The magi that visited, they were supposed to go, remember, go back and Herod says, tell me about it. I want to go worship. And like, no. And so they get, they get a dream to say, don't go back. They, God warns them and they, they leave. And even Mary and Joseph get a dream themselves to take Jesus away into Egypt. It was good. They obeyed. It says this, when Herod realized he'd been outwitted by the magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old or under in accordance with the time he learned from the magi. Can I tell you, when we get desperate, we get destructive. And we won't stop anything in our way to build our little kingdom. And I tell you, we start getting intense and we start making and controlling our little kingdom and it causes us a lot of pain and a lot of hurt in the lives around us. And it's even worse when someone else is doing it and you're trying to do it at the same time. Rather going, oh, there's only one king and we're not the king. And yet we want to build our little kingdoms. Well, Herod's reputation as a paranoid madman was, was exemplified. It became the massacre of the innocents and hundreds and thousands of these, these babies were murdered during this time period. And it was after Herod's death that Jesus returned as home family and grew up and just as normal kids grow up, but he became and grew up to become the king of the Jews. But more than that, a much greater, greater kingdom. Can I remind us in contrast that King Herod wanted to rule in fear, but King Jesus came to rule through love. King Herod wanted to control, but King Jesus came to bring freedom. King Herod wanted to be served, wanted to be in control. And, and Jesus came, he says, to not to be served, but to serve, to give his life away as a ransom, as a sacrifice. And he come to a, ascend to a throne. He, he climbed a hill and died for his subjects on the cross. See, the kingdom of heaven is much bigger than just the kingdom itself. When you think the grandeur of all kingdom in the universe is this. The kingdom of heaven is actually what's so powerful about it. It's personal. So where the kingdom Jesus truly desires is right here. But it's a fight for the throne. It's a fight that's there. Can I tell you, you can't have two kings. There only can be one. And I tell you, we'll do whatever we can at times. We'll fight to be in control and, and, and to fight for our kingdom. And I encourage you this Christmas Eve, step away, to slide off the throne, to allow him to be king. I'm going to invite our team to come. And I just have this question. It's a pretty obvious question here. Is Christ your king this Christmas? Is he truly your king? And where does he be the king? The king right here, the king of our hearts.
And as you're contemplating that, I'm thinking about this. Is Christ really king? Just think about your life, what you're doing, your time, your energies, things like this. And what I've found too for my life is this, that um, is times are like, I try to be king. I don't consciously think, you know, I'm king for the day. I don't do that. But when I, when I try to be in control of my own life, I'm really horrible at it. I actually become two things. I become a control freak or when everything falls apart, I become a, I freak out. I can't grasp. My kingdom crumbles very quickly when I, then I realize, no, Lord, you want to be king. I got to slide over and allow you to be preeminent, to be supreme in my heart, in my life. I encourage you today and just ask, who is your king? Is, it, is Christ the king, your king this Christmas Eve? Don't let yourself, don't let even anybody else to be control of, of your life. Let Jesus be the king. We sing it. Hark the herald, angels sing. Glory to a new born king. And he wants to be birthed in your heart and my heart even this evening if you've not invited him to do that. And I want to pray for you. Today, you might be here this Christmas Eve and we find that people come and maybe they heard the message of, of Jesus and you've heard parts and pieces of the story. Maybe you've never heard it this way. You're like, wait a second. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Jesus is the king of my life. I don't know if he rules and reigns in the throne of my heart. If, you, if you've not ever prayed that prayer, the prayer is very simple. Jesus be king. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Lord, I confess my sinfulness and my selfishness and how I try to be king of my life. I invite you to be my king, my Lord and my king in my life. Thank you for dying for me on the cross and rising from the dead so, so that I can have life. It's that prayer that you can pray today. And so I wanna, I wanna pray for you that way. Will you, will you bow your head as we close here this Christmas Eve? And I wanna pray for those and that commitment to, for you today, but I also want to pray for everybody else in this room, because I think we can all relate where, yes, we said Jesus be king, we said it years and years ago, but we are so tempted in our daily life to allow ourselves to get back on the throne of our hearts and and, and push Jesus off, because here's the thing, Jesus invites us, he invites us in, in the life he has for us, he doesn't, there's no hostile takeover, he if we want to ch- want Jesus, it's a choice that we make. It's an invitation. He's not going to, he, he'll set things up in, in, in circumstances to draw you to himself and even hardship to draw you to him, but it's still your choice to choose for him to be king. So I'm going to pray for all of us here. Lord, thank you so much for just a beautiful Christmas Eve day. God, thank you for these services we've had, Lord. I, I'm just amazed by all these services full, filled with people that just want something more. Lord, there's a reason we came for more. Lord, more, we don't need more cookies. We don't need more food. We don't need gifts. We came because one reason. We might have been invited. We might have been coerced to be here, but ultimately we came because there's something you want to give us, Lord. And it's your very self that you want us to have. For you to be king to rule and reign in our lives. And and Lord, we just confess, we got a little bit of Herod in us. There's a little bit of Herod in us that we want to control our life and do it our way. And and Lord, we just say, God, we are terrible at that. And we want to slide over and allow you to be king. And even today, Lord, there might be some for the very first time, they say, yes, Jesus, be my king this Christmas, Lord. As they say yes to you, Lord, with your spirit, God, we pray that you would bring your presence there and assurance that it's a real decision they're they're making in in their life today. And God, for all of us, Lord, as we 
go out in this place and back in the festivities and they're wonderful and they're great and we're going to gather around the fire and we're going to open gifts and we're going to eat lots of food, Lord. But God, we not miss these intimate moments with you. Say, Lord, in the quietness of our moments, Lord, that we just thank you for being our Savior, not just for the whole world, but for us and to save our souls. And so, Lord, will you come and just remind us that you dwell in us to be our King this Christmas season. And Lord, be our King for this new year to come, Lord. Each and every day, God, I pray that we'd wake up each morning and go on, oh, am I going to be King or Jesus, we want you to be King. God, we'd be conscious of that. And Lord, you're way better at being a King than we are. To rule and reign in our life, Lord, we're horrible. Thank you, Jesus. You're much better at it, Lord. May we continually surrender, Lord, to you. And all that you give, Lord, you say to be seek first your kingdom and all these things will happen to you as well. You're a good king. You're a perfect king and bless our lives, Lord, and all that you give as we relinquish control and we give it to you. Again, this Christmas season we up beyond, we pray in Jesus' name.